Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast. This is Taylor. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you've been following along on the stories because I told you all that this episode was coming and if I say so myself, I don't believe it's going to disappoint because we have been talking about informing and initiating and I'm about to lay it down for you. Okay, so I'm going to title this Initiation Issues uh, because there's drama. Anytime something's made to do something, that's probably going to be the area that it needs the most support, right? Like if you buy a TV and it's designed to display a digital picture um, and be connected to an internet and, and receive signals, you're probably going to be really upset if you can't see the picture or you can't hear the sound. Like those are the things that are going to clue you in that there is something has gone awry. And so as a manifester, if you're not initiating, if you are resistant to informing, if things are not working out and you find yourself angry, then uh, you're welcome for this podcast because, well, what else would we be that upset about? We'd be upset that we're not feeling the freedom and the peace and the space to act in the way that we're made and rightfully so. Before I dive into the episode though, I do want to say thank you. I love when I'm informed about the impact of my work in your life. I think there's a real level of intimacy um, in that exchange and what I'm referring to is many of you listen to these episodes and you chew on them and then you come into my DMs or you shoot me an email or you catch me well, we, I hadn't been hanging out, so you can't catch me on the street, but you let me know in whatever way you have access that, you know, a recent podcast really touched you and you are specific in terms of what really resonated with you or what really sat well with you. And I just want to say thank you. I appreciate that. I know that that is not going to be true for every manifester, but with all of my right variables, I love when I get to hear how my things land and I get to hear what was pulled out of what I offered. And so I just want to spend a few minutes at the beginning of the episode just saying thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm always available for you to let me know how something sits with you. And just for the sake of boundaries and respect, if something doesn't land with you and you have genuine questions and you want to understand something um, more, or there's something nuanced in some way, I'm available for that. I am not, however, available for disagreement because 
it's not necessary. It's a free, you know, you're free to disagree. These podcasts are not designed for um, us to be indoctrinated with my opinions. They are my opportunity to really share my experience with you and the truths that I've mined from my experience. And if it doesn't land or resonate in that way, then well, good thing you have your whole life to come up with your own truths and your own perspective. There's space for all of it, um, especially in your life. So um, that is kind of the caveat I want to put on that. But in general, just thank you. I haven't had any issues, but I wanted to make sure everyone was aware. All right, my friends, let's dive into initiation issues. One thing you'll find about me is that if everything's gravy, then what are we talking about? And by that, I mean, it could be said that in some of my podcasts, I am always kind of addressing or calling out a potential issue or giving you a heads up about a potential flaw or letting you know where maybe something has failed. And um, I have desire motivation as a manifester. So I'm always looking for where I want to get involved. And I don't feel super compelled a lot of the time, can't say never, but I often don't feel compelled to disrupt someone's peaceful experience to say, hey, you know, it could be better. That's not really my way of being. My way of being is this. If there's someone living beneath their birthright, I feel incredibly compelled to be of service and to be involved in elevating and contributing to the elevation of their experience so that they at least meet the standard for their design. That is what I am most moved to contribute my knowledge, my impact, my service, my offerings towards. So that means that in the way that I speak, it could, it may not be as feel good while it is incredibly soulful because I consider myself a fun and warm and soulful person. Um, We are going to talk about the issues. We're not going to just talk about what's all gravy in the world because if it's all gravy, we don't need to talk about it. All right. Um, there are real times for celebration as well. So that isn't lost on me, but y'all picked a gate 17 episode to listen to because welcome to my conscious set. All right. So anyways, initiations may have issues and let me clarify how I may, let me clarify how I want to say that. I need to inform you that you're initiating Not exactly the initiation itself, but your activity of initiating may have issues. Initiating is an activity. It is not an outcome. It's what we do. It's not who we are. We are initiators, meaning we could we could be described by the way, um, by the function that we do. Our function, our design is supportive as manifestors. Our function is supportive of the ability to initiate. That does not mean that we identify with any one initiation. So you may, like in my case, I am in the process of initiating a school. I want to initiate a new school of thought. And there are people who could refer to me as their teacher, but I do not identify solely as a teacher. I actually identify as a catalyst or an initiator or an architect for new schools of thought, new ways of being, new setting new standards. That's how I identify But in the context of the initiation that some people will encounter me, they may say, hey, you're my you're my teacher. I'm a part of your school of thought or your school. Not a problem. It's just important that we know that not important that we correct them. 
Okay. So it's important that we know that we will, we as manifestors are designed to constantly be initiating. And that is an activity that we do and it will result in initiations. And therefore when other people are living with the initiation, they may associate that with who we are and that's okay. There's space in the world for people to be confused and misunderstood, but what we're not going to be confused about is who we are and who we are is an initiator. We are a catalyst. We are a being designed to take the unseen and see it out in the world so that others have something to grapple with. They have something that they didn't have access to before, but they have access now because we initiated or catalyzed an experience or an understanding or an opportunity. That's how we're made. That's not something that we have to consciously, um, that's what we'll do if we were just doing and just being ourselves. We will just naturally initiate. So one of the things I initiated over the last year is that I have spent six months in an intensive training certification while also rebranding and launching a new podcast and um, starting a school. And I can assure you that I have experienced an, a plethora, a plethora of bumps in the road, and it all started with one intention that I had last year. See, last year, I'm not really big into like yearly goals or anything like that, but I am really big into like setting a word or a standard or an intention for the way that you go about your your movement, that you kind of have a theme or a dress, that you give your activity and the things that matter to you in your life. I'm big into that. I like dressing up. I like looking cute. It applies to my life. Okay, so I gave myself an intention last year, and that intention was to mind my business. Now, if you are not from the southern United States, um, maybe maybe they do that other places, but this is a very like southern granny on the porch moment where she goes, mind your business, or your mother might say that to you, mind your business. And it just means stay in your lane. Do what only you can do. Say what only you can say. Make sure your stuff is high and tight. Make sure that you like what you're doing. Make sure you know what you think. Mind your business, not just in the traditional business definition in terms of making money, but like everything that's within your purview, everything that's under your domain, mind that. Give your attention and your priority to the things that you have the power to change over in your area. Mind your business. And that is what the, that was my intention for last year. I had spent a lot of time concerned about what other people think, feel, uh, smell like, talk like, look like, how they interpret what I do, trying to figure out the perfect way to say it so that they like it. I had spent a lot of time, what some would call perfectionism and people pleasing and, and really being concerned about other people's experience of me instead of being committed to being authentic and undiluted and, and passionate and living from a standard of obsession. And, and obsession in the sense of a, a deep commitment to authenticity, the place within myself that I consider sacred, operating from that place. So there have been many times over this last year that have been extremely healing because when you mind your business, when you stay in your lane, when you stay in your zone and you prioritize your own standard, what you get is 
an opportunity to see all the areas of your life that you have lived beneath your birthright, that you have lived beneath your design. And so that is where healing comes in. And then healing is a very vulnerable experience. It's a very exposing experience. And so you'll often have moments like I did uh, where you'll need to be held, where you'll need to be held while you heal, while you mind your business. It, it, it's not neat. It's just life if, if you want to live at that level. Anyways, so thank goodness for support. And all of that's cool, but what that has afforded me in this episode is to give you a masterclass, a very short masterclass, hopefully, in the ways of initiating as a manifester. So I've been doing all of this as a one three emotional manifester. And I love one threes. And I'm this is a shout out for one of the um for one of the uh people following in the manifesto community, they said, what makes us unique? I think I am particularly uniquely qualified to speak to this as a one three, because the one three profile is the fun is the foundation of the other 12 profiles. It's the very beginning. It is the, it is the, it's where, where it all got started. And it all got started with an investigation and a willing to risk everything. If that's not a story, it all started with an introspection, a willingness to look inward and see something and process what was happening and then go out and do something about it. It all started with trial because there was no guarantee. There was no one else to guarantee. One threes are foundational and there are unique experiences that come with that. But in the context of initiation, going first is real for one threes. I'm not saying that it's not real for other people, but hear me when I say initiation manifest, the manifestor experience is about going first. And so it's particularly unique for a first profile to tell you what it's like to go first. Hopefully that resonates. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Okay. So today I want to be, I want to talk to you about being yourself as a manifestor designed to initiate. See, here's the caveat or not the caveat. Here's something to clarify. Some of us think that initiation is optional. What would probably be more accurate to say is that the atmosphere that you create around initiating is optional, but your design, just the fact that you do not have a sacral center, but you have a motor attached to a throat means that there is something fueled that can come, that you can take in, that you can be connected to, and it will come up and out of you. And sometimes that will be a conscious activity for you. Sometimes that will be an unconscious activity for you. And neither of that matters because either way, initiate as in the activity will happen every time you're functioning. So when we when we think about the manifestor experience, initiating takes far less strategy than learning to set a standard for how you do that. Because do you want to be kind of like a gun that misfires or do you want to take responsibility for your ability to initiate and set a standard for how you do that, for the atmosphere that you do it within? Not just your standard of initiating for yourself, but what does it look like when you set a standard for how you initiate, how you be you um, in the context of the relationships that matter to you? So my question is what experience are you offering yourself as a manifester, as an initiator, as a catalyst? Knowing that just you showing up, living your every, if you open your eyes, you have probably initiated something. Now you may not associate with it. You may not be, have, you may not be conscious of it. You may not even choose to, to, um, 
it may not be a valuable experience per se to you, but that doesn't mean that the act itself didn't happen. And we know that because if you're here and you're functioning, you're initiating because how do we know you're here and you're functioning? Well, you're initiating. Okay. So what atmosphere are you creating around your activity? Have you considered that you don't have to try to initiate? That, that's what you'll do if you're just here. But the standard or the, the experience that you create around it, now that's 100% in your control. That, that, that's the piece I, I learned over this year. That's the, the subtlety to this activity that I have learned over the last year is that I will be the kind of person who tries new things, who learns new things, especially as a line one. I'm always learning something. But the standard, the atmosphere, the the expression that I live within while I'm doing that. Now that is about having boundaries. That's about leveling up. That's about that. That's my work as a human, as an individual. Because what I may need as a supportive atmosphere may not be the same thing another manifester needs. So that is where we are all individual and unique. I have factors in my life that another manifester may not. I have small children that another manifester may not. So there are things that I may need as a manifester to feel supported and safe and secure to initiate that someone else may not. That's my responsibility. Okay. I want to give you a super practical example because I can I can tend to talk about things that are extremely theoretical or conceptual and that's great, but let me land the plane because I believe that you'll know that when you're hearing truth, when you can see it from the most mundane to the most majest, most majestic. The most mundane, one of the most mundane. I happen to love ball pythons. I like snakes in general. Um, that that's not completely true. I like certain snakes. A small collection of snakes that are aesthetically pleasing, I like those ones. They tend to be of the python persuasion, blood pythons, ball pythons, uh, reticulated pythons a little bit, boas, whatever, kind of in that little subset. Anyways, I have a ball, we have uh, three ball pythons and mine, um, his name is Suits. After the show, Suits, if you follow legal dramas, Suits is the show. I like if you're going to be in my world I just want you to know we're gonna do suits references we're going to have suits um gifts whatever like it's suits anyway that's my snake my snake's name his name is suits and if you know anything about snakes you know that they need to shed and so in order for a snake to shed and shedding happens when a snake has grown so they eat they eat they eat they get bigger and then the skin no longer fits the body that they've built up that they've grown to and so what happens is a layer of fluid starts coming between the old skin and the new skin that is formed a layer of fluid comes and eventually it is shed um and when they are in the process of you know developing the oils or the layers or what i can't think of the exact fluid but the fluid i guess you could say that's in between the two layers of skin in that process they go into blue and blue is where everything's cloudy and you're dis and the snake is disoriented if you've ever sometimes snakes can be known to refuse food or even become snappy and it's because it's a it can be a very scary or disorienting experience for an animal that is extremely instinctual to not have its bearings or be able to kind of manage its experience. It's called being in blue. After the blue period, then they start rubbing up against rough objects. And what happens is the skin begins to peel off. Now, ideally, you want that to happen in one long piece because stuck shed is a problem for snakes. It's uncomfortable and it's harmful, etc. So when I pull my snake out of its um, container, 
excuse me, it's home, I guess, atmosphere of Korea habitat. Uh, when I created, when I pulled it out the other day, all there were like pieces of stuck shed. And the way that you know that, like the reason why a snake would have st- stuck shed is because the atmosphere wasn't right. It wasn't humid enough. In order for the snake to like shed the skin in one smooth piece, it, the fluid in between in between the two layers of skin can you tell i'm a line one y'all the two the fluid or the the whatever the yeah fluid is between the two layers of skin is not enough moisture to shed it they also need an external moisture humidity level at a certain atmosphere so that the skin comes off in one long piece if it doesn't then you end up with a snake that looks like it rolled in tree bark kind of like white tree bark it looks just flaky it looks like it has dandruff all over it and it's uncomfortable and there's stuck pieces and it's uncomfortable for the snake it's uncomfortable to look at it's a problem but all of that happens because the snake was not in a supportive atmosphere for the initiation of new skin that was my whole point to you think about that it's not that it's not growing it's not that it's not changing it's not that it's not being fed it's not that it's not being nourished it's that in order for the snake to do and to continue to grow at the rate that it grows and to continue to live live its snaky full expressed life it has to have a priority. There has to be a priority placed on the atmosphere around the snake because if not, even growth looks bad, is challenging, and looks rough. And that's what I would say to you as a manifester. I will land this here for those who can't stand snakes. Um, I'll land this here. That's the same thing for you. If you are in a manifester, you are designed to initiate. You are designed to be grown through your initiations and provided for through your initiations. But if the atmosphere is not supportive of that, then don't be surprised when it looks a little rough over there. When when it's hard to find your peace, hard to maintain your peace, it might just be that the atmosphere that you're in is not supportive. So what I noticed in myself and others as I worked through the last year and that I am you know, communicating with other manifestors about the act of initiating, I want you to know it's your only way to really know that you showed up fully as a manifester. Remember the TV analogy that I started with? Like, How do you know a TV works? Because you can watch TV on it. Like, that's how you know. Because that's what it was made for. As a manifester, you're designed for the activity of initiating. You are an energy being. You're just non-sacral. You are here to do. You're just not here to work. Your doing is initiating. So how do we know something ain't quite right, Mike, with with that particular manifester? It's that there is a hiccup in their initiating activity. And I'm wondering if your initiation issues, your initiating issues might be in the atmosphere that you have or have not curated for the way that you can safely, securely, and stably initiate. It's important for you to prioritize seeing your initiations out in the world even when others cannot, will not, don't want to. And the reason why that's important is because as a manifester, in order for you to get the full benefit of your activity, it the reward is the fact that you completed the initiation. Not that it's completed, but that you have completed the cycle. It's not good. You ever, it's like, 
it's like if something, if you have a need to belch, but you really can't, and it just kind of gets stuck in your chest, that's not a fulfilling experience. What's really fulfilling is that when you can release the trapped air or when you can release the project on into someone else's hands, the release is a part of the reward. And if you are not prioritizing the atmosphere around your initiations, then like suits, you're going to be stuck in places. And that is a very infuriating experience. Okay. So in order to curate the atmosphere, because I know that's going to be the next question, like we're already here, I'll just tell you. In order to curate curate the atmosphere around your activity of initiating, you have to inform. Informing is not the activity. It's the, it, it is what sets the standard for the atmosphere around your initiations. If you don't inform, then just know that your activity of initiation likely lacks a standard that you can sustain, which tends to lead to people not wanting to initiate. I don't want to start that. I don't even want to say that. I don't want to go there because I know how they're going to act. No, you know what you won't say when they act that way. See the difference? You know what you won't do ahead of time to preserve your atmosphere around initiation. So here's, I wanted to give some like prime examples for why informing might be a challenge for you. Um, And the reason why I'm going here with it is because a lot of us want to practice informing, but we don't understand the purpose of informing. And so what we end up doing is telling people what to do or trying to control the situation or asking for permission. And those all are, are interesting tactics, but those don't qualify as informing. And if they don't qualify as informing, then again, the atmosphere around the activity is not being held. And we know how that plays out. Ask suits. So here's our, here are five ways that you may be stifling your informing or compromising your desire and ability to initiate going forward. Number one, you might not have left home. I know it does not sound like it goes with it, but hear me out. In the teaching of human design, as it relates to manifestors and the activity of informing or the, the tactic or technique of informing, there actually are two stages. Children are not taught to inform. They're taught to ask for permission. And adults are taught to inform. Children are informing through their request. So when a child says, can I go outside? That is a uh, societally accepted and oftentimes parent approved way of informing about a desire for future activity or an intention around a future activity. So children in the context of the home as manifestors are taught to ask for permission. The point is not the asking. The point is that we need to package the informing in a way that supports the family hierarchy, the family structure. So as children, asking for permission makes sense. So for all of you adults who are still asking for permission, please do so without shame, without self-criticism. If you have mastered asking for permission, it is likely because of the fact that you either really learned it as a kid or you have hierarchies in your life that asking for permission is very supportive of. Now, if you want to re-examine those hierarchies, 
do what you do. But I'm just letting you know that asking for permission has to do with the state of maturity called childhood. It is not a flaw in your character. It is a stage of maturing in the manifestor experience. And if you are no longer in some of those hierarchies or you're no longer in the home, whether metaphorically or literally, if you're no longer in a home experience, then it's time for you to transition from asking for permission to informing so that others can make requests, so that others can respond, so that others can recognize and invite. Do you see how that works? Like, The others are empowered by your informing and the informing isn't so that they will like it or so they will take another act so that they will do a certain action. The informing puts something out for them to interact with and then therefore engage their strategy and their authority. And we don't know what they're going to do with that. And honestly, as manifestors, it doesn't often, um, it's not our priority what they're going to do with it. Informing allows others to consciously consent and self-regulate. But conscious consent is, is a way that they manage their ability to self-regulate, right? So that's their business. But I just wanted to put that in there because particularly if you have um, a four in your, in your profile lines or if you are a left angle, so the first number is larger than the second number, like a 6-2 or a 5-1, um, there may be more of an investment in making sure that you understand how what you're doing is impacting the others that you're connected to. And so I just wanted to add that there. Informing is about giving others the power to self-regulate and consciously consent. And we all, I'm sure many of us care about that, but it's not for you to manage that experience. It's just so you know how that lands. People often, just just as an anecdotal observation, people ha- often have less of a problem with what you're doing and what you want to do when they know what it will mean for them and have the opportunity to brace for impact. Most of us agree with that. Here's the challenge. We think that we can decide what it will mean for them. We don't. What we do is give them the information so they can make meaning out of the activity that they have been informed about, that they can make their own meaning. They're always making their own meaning, not that you have to tell them what it will mean for them. And then when once they have their meaning, they are then able to brace for impact or co-sign or whatever they want to do with that. But they will struggle to do that if they are left in the dark about where you're going. But you won't even do that if your mentality is still or your your awareness is still at the level of being in the home or under the hierarchy. And therefore, you are still using the strategy or the tactic of asking for permission. That doesn't work with people who are not in your home that are of a higher hierarchy, if you're not submitted to them in some way or dependent on them in some way, then permission is an inappropriate way to go about informing. And it could be very practiced for you. So grace, tons of grace, tons of self-compassion as you transition now that you've been made aware. Okay, number two, you might be waiting for others to respond. So the first thing I said is you might not have left home, meaning you may have mentally, you may not have consciously recognized that you are no longer in the place, the same mental, emotional, metaphorical home that you were raised in. And so permission was appropriate then, but it's no longer appropriate now for the new place that you reside. And 
Number two, that thing, something that may be stifling your informing or compromising your desire and your ability to initiate might be that you might be waiting for other people to respond. Here's the thing. If you need other people to get it, you won't have it because they can't get what you won't let go of. They can't get, they can't capture, they can't hold on to anything that you won't let go of. So informing and then initiating is the process that you release, remember? And if you want somebody to capture it or take it in or embrace it, then you have to release it. Responding, um, whether that's as a projector, um, a generator, or a reflector type, responding requires them to take something in. And they can't do that if you won't let it go. See how this works? Like we're, we're designed as a collective to work together. So if you're holding on, then don't look for it. it, it it's kind of like you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're waiting for others to respond to something that you won't let go of. Kind of doesn't work. They can't respond until you release it. You And you won't release it until they respond. Uh, it doesn't work. Okay. That, that could definitely be stifling. You're informing. Um, number three, you might be waiting for success. Okay, so... Oftentimes, because there's not a lot of teaching on the distinction between the act of initiating and the initiation itself, which I covered at the beginning of this episode, we are not identifying with the initiation itself. We are identifying with the act of initiating, being the kind of people designed to initiate. So if we are measuring success and typical success metrics measure the success of the outcome, not of the activity, we're going to have a problem. Success is not our signature, first of all, but it's also you cannot possibly define success for an initiation. You can't. And the reason why you can't is because you don't know how it will land exactly. You don't know all of the details around it, especially if you have a ton of right variables. When you have left variables, you you can constrain to like the range of outcomes maybe that are highly probable. But if you have a lot of right variables in your chart, that's the arrows at the top of your chart. If you have a lot of right ones, like, hmm, Spending a lot of time trying to define success is not your most helpful activity. You can only establish a standard around how you initiate. See, initiating, the initiation itself as a manifesto really isn't about the outcome. It's about having an option that wasn't there there before. People are empowered because we as manifestors provide options through our initiations. So what happens if you are measuring the success of something based on how many people select your option when really you were fully functioning and successful when someone didn't have to do it the way they always had to because you provided another? way that's the win the win is that someone has the opportunity to say no not that they said yes friends countrymen global citizens this is huge for manifestors I have had to learn this who I've had to learn this friends it is not about someone saying yes in the context of the activity of initiating. It is about the fact that they finally have an opportunity to choose. The school that I am founding is about being able to choose a new way of creating wealth and living fully um, expressed in the world. 
That's what it's about. It's not that everyone and their mother will agree this is the way. But they don't even get to choose something other than the way they've done it before unless there is initiation out in the world that says, here's an alternative. You, d- you let me know if you're down. That's what it's about. So we don't wait for success. We set a standard. So there's a standard that people will need to agree to when it comes to being in the being in the space of my initiations. There's a standard that I am setting for myself and continue to set for myself when it comes to the way that I choose to initiate things because it's a way I'm designed and it's my responsibility to create a supportive atmosphere around that. And the way that I do that is through setting a standard, aka informing. You might, the the fifth thing I wanted to leave you with in terms of five things that might be stifling your informing and compromising your desire and ability to initiate is that you might be missing the point. Informing is so that it is safe, is so that initiating the activity is safe, secure, and stable for you. Informing is not about making sure that other people feel safe in their body. Informing is not about trying to control other people's thoughts and meaning that they assign to the things that they encounter. Informing is not about guaranteeing a yes. It is not about making sure that everyone um, gets it, agrees with it, and supports it. It is about giving them the option to do so. And when you give them the option to do so, when people have choices, they tend to feel safer. It's not about creating safety. It's about giving them the ingredients that people who want to feel safe have the ability to do so. Some of you may say, well, who wouldn't want to feel safe? I don't know. I haven't talked to everybody on the planet, but here's what I'll say to you. Some people don't prioritize safety in the same way that you do. There is a fundamental human need and then there is a intellectual understanding or like a sense of safety and not everyone needs the same intellectual sense while yes as our our bodies do have a survival instinct okay your design is a gift to you and your authenticity is a service to others you do not have to give yourself to other people your design the way that you're made is about you having a full-bodied experience It's about you having a fully expressed experience. And when you're in that fully expressed experience, God has created it where your authenticity is of service naturally to others. You don't have to manipulate yourself into being of service. Your authenticity, your way of being is a service to others. Others benefit when you are you as you can only be you. Okay. You might... I'm sorry, that was four. The last one is you might be trying to avoid anger and thus suppressing fuel. If you are waiting to feel calm and and collected, you will likely struggle to inform and initiate. Anger is a worthy experience for a manifester. It can be the fuel and the fire, which means we don't let it run rampant. We don't treat it like it, and we also don't treat it like it has no purpose. Fire without boundaries is a hazard, but when contained, it can be incredibly useful. Contained and ordained anger is potent and incredibly powerful. It is useful. It is purposeful. 
And if you are waiting to only be on the low end of the emotional experience where the waters are still and you can see out for miles, you will struggle to inform, you will struggle to initiate because the full spectrum of the emotional experience is useful to the activity of informing. The emotional center is a motor as well. Emotions are fuel and all of them are powerful fuel. What we wait for is clarity, not calm. What we wait for is clarity, not certainty. We wait for a clear thinking, a clear um, ability to like, here, here's the difference. I'm so pissed off that that person did that versus that's not okay in my world. I'm not doing it. Do you hear the difference in frequency? It's not that the emotion changed. We're, we're still angry. We're still within that range of anger. But it's not a madness. It is a, it's like a holy indignation that says, not on my watch. Not today. Uh-uh. Not happy about it and it won't continue. Okay, when you've been raised, um, I just I want to add this. I'm landing the plane, folks. I'm landing the plane. When you've been raised to be concerned about how others feel and the impact that you have on them, from particularly from like an anxious place, you are also being taught to associate your emotions with a culprit. So you weren't just being taught to be responsible for other people's feelings, but you were also being taught to associate every emotion that rises up within you with a specific culprit. So I need to watch how I'm being, but let me see who made me feel this way at the same time. Because if I can make other people feel that way, then somebody made me feel this way. So now when you're angry, instead of accepting that you feel things that may come without obvious impetus, without a person or a villain on the other end, you may credit the person closest with that. And that's particularly a problem as a manifester because what if your initiations are fueled from spaces within yourself that have become angry, angry enough to take action? That's totally the case for me. I was... um, I was trained in a culture around coaching that was very, very big on high ticket exclusivity. And it started making me angry to see how many people had money objections. I'm not saying that there's not room for people to deal with their money thoughts, but I'm just like, if the majority of people at the bottom of the barrel, not the bottom of the barrel, if the majority of the people bottom line say, listen, I just can't make the money work right now. That's a problem for me. It makes me angry when I consider the magnitude of the teaching that I want to offer. And all we, all our struggle is that they can't wrap their mind around $5,000 for three months. And my instruction is just to go sell them harder. Like that makes me angry. Doesn't make everybody else angry. And those people charge $5,000 for whatever they want to do. To be clear, just just for the, for the minds who need specifics, I am not saying there is anything morally wrong with charging whatever you want for whatever you're willing to offer. That is a part of your sovereignty, and I hope that you have standards and values that inform those decisions. But I am a firm believer in everyone having the sovereignty to do what it is that they have decided because I want the same for me. Now, that being said, I personally, individually have a problem when I see a pattern of the people who I profess need my work 
have struggles getting over the obstacle of being compensate of compensating me even when they have a desire to they have a, a challenge compensating me for the work that they obviously value and i don't want money to be something that comes between that exchange and so it behooves me not because of them but it behooves me because of the emotion that sits within me to come up with ways that I can connect with them in a way that doesn't have them have to dig to the depths of their belief system to find money that they didn't have before just to pay me like that's not the atmosphere I want to be having around my initiations I don't want my people to have to go as far as desperation to to choose my work in the world. And so it's informing the way that I initiate my activities. But the point that I want to say to you is, is if I'm unwilling to feel anger, then I also forfeit the clarity about the business model that would be most supportive to me. I forfeit the the kind of questioning that I can take to my emotional wave and that I can take to God and say, listen, show me how this, how this could look different. If there's a bajillion different business models that are all profitable, show me the one that fits the way that I'm made because I don't desire to operate in perpetual anger. I desire to operate from a place of peace and this is something that feels that has become a non-negotiable for me that's available to you but you got to be willing to feel anger and if you're trying to avoid it your initiations will be very um they will be very in the box you will just oftentimes be regurgitating what you've seen before manifestors just to be clear do not have a monopoly on anger it anger is a human experience it's just a in an indicator light in particular for manifestors So most of the cars today, if not all, use electricity in some form. But if you have an electric car or a hybrid car, to be clear, the electrical seems a little important. It's an indicator light. Not that there are no other cars on the planet that use electricity, but in particular, yours kind of needs to have that set up right. Needs to have an understanding of how that works out, particularly if you're going to run on it, right? Same thing for manifestors. Everyone in the planet has anger they experience it. But as a manifester, I'm going to need you to like pay attention, keep an eye out, keep an ear out for when you're in that zone. Okay, let's land this. The truth is that when I act like anyone other than myself, I pay for the difference. When you as a manifester function as something or attempt to function as something other than an initiator and you try to do other things rather than initiating and you don't set a standard for yourself and, and curate an atmosphere yourself through informing around that activity, you pay for the difference. You pay for it with your life. Other people are not entitled to you and to your authenticity. You are not obligated to show up authentically. That is an act of your sovereignty because who you are and your design is a gift to you. And if you don't want it, that's on you. No one else is entitled to access to that. But when you don't, it's you who pays for it. No one else. You are designed to initiate. And when you don't inform, it costs you more than it will ever cost anyone else. Because that fuel comes up and out of you. And guess whose life has to kind of make it come together? It's yours. When you, when you want to initiate something big and you don't, you don't consider the people who could be impacted or who are directly impacted by the new direction that you're going in and then it costs you relationally 
not because they would have never been on board, but because the way the atmosphere that you created around your activity of initiating is not one that they want to be a part of. And as a matter of fact, it was one that they have decided they will never be a part of again. See, that's when we have to begin to ask is like, who did it cost more? Because when you initiated, you likely did it with the understanding that they were a part of your community. And then when they can no longer be a part, because for them, things just kind of come out of nowhere and change their whole world and they don't want to be a part of that, it changes your environment. What experience are you creating for yourself? I know that's very other focused, but let's, I'm going to give you some examples later in just a second. You continue to prevent yourself from from seeing you in the world. When you don't initiate, when you don't prioritize the atmosphere that you initiate within and you don't inform, you prevent yourself from seeing you. See, the myth is that we're supposed to just be able to know exactly who we are all the time and just know exactly what we would be good at and just have all the words. No, player, you were supposed, you were designed to initiate and have constant initiations and the collective pattern of your experience weaves a fabric that one day we'll be able to look up and say, wow, that was totally who you are. That's the incarnation cross experience. It's not one sentence that you understand and it defines your life. It's that when we look at the tapestry of experiences, we can say, wow, she was totally a right angle cross of service. Like I can totally see it. When she, when she was just being who she was, I was supported in a way that, that I'm not normally supported. She was so helpful when she wasn't even trying. That's how it works. And so when you don't inform, when you when you compromise the atmosphere around your initiations, you compromise your ability to see your purpose fully expressed in the world. And that is a loss for you because you deserve to see how majestic you are. You deserve to see what a gift you are and how amazing you are. Some of you don't need self-confidence. You just need to see more of you out in the world. You're trying to have self-confidence around the three, the last three poor, poor, poorly prepared initiating that you've done. And you can't feel confident because all of your clarity says that was not the way to do that. And you're like, but I'm just trying to believe I'm a great person. You are a great person. So be so great that you go do greatness. Because that last thing you did wasn't that great. The way you did it wasn't that great. It's okay to tell yourself the truth when the game isn't over. The game is not over. Let this podcast be an episode. The game is not over. You are a great person and we're still waiting to see more of that greatness cultivated out in the world. And, and in order for that to happen, in order for you to see that greatness, you have to preserve the atmosphere that you do that in. It's one of the reasons that I initiated the Offer Design School because living fully expressed is essential to our access to our own abundance and our sense of peace. See, if you are unwilling to be fully expressed out in the world, expressed both in the informing sense of expressed, but also in expressed in the sense, if you are not allowing yourself to initiate, then you don't get to see the full expression of your design out in a tangible interacting kind of way. I have a conscious son in 17. My conscious son is 17.1. My incarnation cross is the cross of right angle cross of service. I am here to call out patterns and use logic to better the experience of others. But before, when I was only offering coaching packages where you had to work with me for three months for a certain amount of money, I couldn't see myself. I couldn't see myself. It came out like this. I can't see myself doing this for that long. But really, I could have stopped at for that long or doing that for that long. I could have cut that off and just said, I can't see myself. I can't see myself. I'd have one-off conversations with people, one-off sessions with people, and that was great. But I couldn't see my design in the world. The way I am made 
and the is for the collective. It is for pattern recognition. It is for logic and learning. It is about investigation. It is about preserving and establishing standards. It is about doing that from a place of restraint so that we all have a sense of vitality in our life and fullness in our life and abundance in our life. That's what I'm made for. And doing that in these one-off encounters, while they, while there's nothing wrong with that, that being the crux of my business was not supportive of me seeing myself fully expressed. So when I created a school and the way that I'm structuring it allows me to see an aspect of myself I couldn't see before. It's the same for you. Whatever you're initiating, please know, is going to be the access point to the abundance of your design to the abundance of your authenticity and if you're not looking for that then you're forfeiting the the magic of having initiated podcasting has a similar effect for me being able to go back and listen to my episodes and hear my own wisdom and hear it played back in a way from a new state of thinking from a new level of awareness is huge for me I start to see the patterns in my own life those are business examples but what about your body What new wellness standards have you felt led to initiate? Because you won't be able to see who you really are in the mirror if you don't set a standard around the atmosphere that you want to initiate in. What relationships in your life are simply because you responded to somebody else as if you are a generator versus initiating a standard for yourself that allows you to show up as your full self? Case and point, I was dating a guy before I got married over 10 years ago um, or around 10 years ago. I was dating a guy and he just wasn't like texting back. Yeah, maybe he was a projector or a manifester. I don't know. But it was like magnetism at first. And then the day to day of the relationship like was beneath my standard. And I ended up calling my now husband and saying, listen, like, I know that I'm ready to be with you because there is a standard that I have for myself. And before, like this, what I've had before isn't what I want. This is what I want. And this is how I want to do it. And we've been married now and it works great. And so here's what I want to say to you. is like, are the relationships in your life based on just what attracts you in the moment? Or are, they, are you considering that you are an initiator and you will be initiating and you need to be in an atmosphere that is supportive of that activity? And what do the relationships need to act like, be like, sound like for you to be able to do that? Are you still asking for permission to have the life that you want? Are you, or are you informing that this is the way you will operate because of the atmosphere that you need to move how you're made? Deep questions. I love coaching. So take that to your journals, folks. Are you still asking for permission as if you live in the home of someone else? waiting for them to dispense the life that you really desire? Or are you informing that this is the way you will be? This is the place you will operate from because this is the atmosphere and the standard you need to move, function, initiate in the way that you were made. That's all I have for today, y'all. Talk soon. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, 
or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifestor Community. Until next time, please manifestors keep hunting for purpose.